0: Let's do things God's way. Ours didn't work. Part 2 by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor As man multiplied in number, down through the ages his rebellious nature also grew. Today, thousands of years after man's fall in the garden, we have become the fullness of the Gentiles, or the worst of the heathens, very far from our original perfection. As mentioned in Part 1, we have to change. We cannot continue as we are and expect things to get better. The world is collapsing, and if we want to survive, we cannot be like it or a part of it. We must familiarize ourselves with God's plan for a new heaven and a new earth and join in the effort to help establish His kingdom. To be a part of the covenants and recipients of the blessings of God, to experience the victory promised in the Word over and over and sealed with God's own blood, we must change. The biggest change necessary for the success and restoration of mankind is receiving and acting on truth, thereby allowing God's covenant promises to penetrate the veil of religion and tradition that has been making the Word of God of no effect all these years. As an example, People have been bringing their tithes and offerings to the storehouse, man's churches for years, expecting the promise of Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 to appear for them. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. The promises, however, never seem to come about for most. But you see, there is a valid reason for this disappointment. The traditions of man make the Word of God of no effect, so nothing happens and the promises of God cannot be fulfilled. In Mark chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus says, making the Word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. The church for the most part walks in more tradition than truth and is very defensive when asked to change. Each age of the church receives insight from God, but guess what? It is up to us to change as it is released. It is God's desire and plan that we go back to our once perfect state, But we will not get there singing give me that old-time religion as we read from mark chapter 7 verse 13 above the word of god is of no effect in the lives of those ensnared in man's traditions so food for thought where does that leave the traditional religious church concerning the word of salvation is that word of no effect what about the word promising renewal and the word promising restoration as seen in 1st Corinthians, 1st Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 51 through 54, and it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we all shall be changed, not those steeped in religion and tradition, however. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, And the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. What a glorious promise! For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the same that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. God's word will not come back void. But this, and all other glorious promises of God, will not happen for those trapped in the corrupt, loveless, hypocritical, lukewarm, compromising, dead church. She has fallen into a category with the pagan religions of the world because of her love and interaction with the world. The old church, beautiful in the eyes of the religious, full of long-standing beloved traditions, has become a part of Satan's bride whose name is Babylon. She is the direct counterfeit of New Jerusalem, the Bride of Christ. Let us read Revelation chapter 18, verses 2 through 3. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Her sacrifices of worship are profane, unacceptable. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth, man's governments, have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. She hoards God's money meant to be used to make known His covenants and fulfill His promises of prosperity to His people. Please heed closely now the warning in Revelation, chapter 18, verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. As we saw in verse 3 above, this same religion is a part of and very much behind man's systems. It teaches God's people to look to their governments for adjustments in the economy and to seek higher education levels to solve the world's problems. What do we expect when imperfect men choose their leaders? Had we studied the word closer, we would have known we were out of order and not in God's will in selecting our own government within the church and over the world. Those God would direct the earth through are men and women anointed and appointed by Him that know and teach His will, concerning finances, education, and culture. The kingdom of God should have been reestablished long ago. Why this method, instituted by God, isn't in operation today is a situation that evolved from another very bad choice made by man thousands of years ago. 1 Samuel 8, verses 6-7 Written somewhere around 1130 B.C discloses the core of the problem. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us instead of God's chosen high priest. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Let's face it, people, we need God to reign over us. We are pathetic on our own, so where is God's government today? Let us read Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 as he prophesied concerning God's government. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So if the government is on his shoulder, it must be the head of his body. Now let us read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. His government is what we know today as the fivefold ministry. He is the head of the body through them. How many have been called to office that do not have a clue that they are a part of one world government or that they are to unite in spirit so the Lord can flow through them to prepare the people for restoration? The government of God is referred to as the house of David or the tabernacle of David that will be raised as man's system's fall, acts, Chapter 15, verses 16 through 17. After this I will return, and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, God's government. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up the way he wants to, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Isaiah Chapter 9, verse 7, assures us God's government will succeed where man's government has failed. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end, upon the throne of David and over His kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Again. The Word warned us in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. But that's a really wonderful word of truth and comforting to know as we read Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He will manifest once again as the Word to renew, restore, and create a new heaven and new earth through the true church. His bride will be one with his body, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. Jesus can then, in his full stature, Live as the last Adam, with the church glorious, the church triumphant, safely inside even as Eve was originally in Adam. The early church was released from his side at death on the cross to birth Christianity. She was beautiful, but rebellious. The new creature born in the eighth day is again in Christ. He will bring her full circle to the garden where he will release God's family out of time into eternity to birth a new heaven and a new earth. That part of the church that refuses to change and be prepared as His bride will experience His wrath. Remember, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. No more sorrow, no more pain, just peace and joy in the Holy Ghost for those that love the Word, keep His commandments, and are changed into His image as in the beginning. Revelation chapter 21 verses 4 through 5 And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful." So let our closing thoughts be a plea to the church, in fact, all of humanity, to repent of our wrong thinking, ask God to resume choosing our leaders, and let truth change our minds and tear apart our traditions, so we can begin to do things God's way. Ours just plain didn't work.